This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm James Glenday, and this is the Australia Votes podcast. Today, the Prime Minister has been campaigning in North Queensland. It's a tourism-reliant area that was hit particularly hard by the COVID-19 lockdowns. It's home to a couple of seats that could be key to the formation of the next parliament. And uh, as our local radio host, Charlie McKillop, explains, it's also thrown up a whole series of colourful candidates. We've got a cast of 11 candidates, one of the longest ballot papers anywhere here in Leichhardt. Yeah, right. uh, would be even longer if the Fusion Party hadn't uh, merged the Science Party, the Pirate Party, the Secular Party and the Climate Change Justice Party. We'll have more from Charlie on that in a moment. But first, to wrap up the other issues dominating election discussion today, I'm joined by podcast co-host Mel Clark in the studio. Hi, Mel. Hi, James. Mel, it looks increasingly likely that interest rates could rise next week. Do we know how that's going to impact this election campaign? Look, the government really has accepted now that it's highly likely rates will rise during Probably the campaign. Have to rise. Well, they, it's going to be odd if they don't. Uh, such is the level of inflation at 5.1%. And look, there is a strong political memory within the coalition about 2007 when rates went up and the damage that did to John Howard's campaign. But I think they're rightly pointing out that a rate rise now is is very different to 2007. It's not a surprise. It's not it's not a surprise. This has been coming for a long time when you've had interest rates at 0.1 for such an extended period of time. And interestingly, Scott Morrison and the coalition are convinced people can handle this. Uh, they continually point out that people are ahead of their repayments due to being not being able to go overseas or, or spend a lot on ent- entertainment during the COVID lockdown, and also that people have prepped for this by moving their mortgages to fixed rate option. Australians have been insuring against the risks that they can see all around the world. We've got two really different strategies to tackling this cost of living issue from the two different sides. So on the coalition side, it very much points to these are the things we have done in the past, therefore you should trust us to be better economic managers. So we've announced these cost of living pressures in the budget, measures for cost of living pressures in the budget. We've got this long-term plan of income tax cuts. Uh, So the argument comes down to trust. Labor's taking a different approach. So they're leaning on policies like child care, putting that forward as an emblem of here's Mm. something that we want to do that will tackle both cost of living, but also have other benefits like getting more people back into work. Anthony Albanese is out of COVID isolation tomorrow and back on the campaign trail. He says he's feeling okay. Hopefully uh, I will be well and truly over it. But Scott Morrison claimed he did more work than Anthony Albanese when he had COVID. He's had a pretty quiet week. Uh, I remember when I was in ISO, I had a very busy week. Are there many votes in the I did more work with a potentially deadly virus line, Mel? I think this is more likely to annoy people right. than win votes. I mean, there's two things here. One, it's a pretty petty thing to say. I think I can be pretty blunt in saying that. It's also, he didn't have it in an election campaign. <laughs> Different circumstances. But I think the other thing is... Boasting about that is precisely the opposite message that public health officials have been trying to get across over the last two years, that we shouldn't soldier on and we shouldn't make a virtue of working through illness. And in this one flippant comment, uh, it's really taking the opposite of the the scientific advice that he's been so proud to say that he follows during COVID-19. So I think that was more of a, a losing move than a vote winning comment from the Prime Minister. Thanks, Mel. 
Well, two and a half weeks into the election campaign, the Prime Minister arrived in Cairns with a couple of local announcements about marine and aviation precincts. The tropical city is home to the electorate of Leichhardt, which veteran Liberal Warren Inch holds on a margin of 4.2%. And he's been pretty open about his concerns that a protest vote to minor parties at this election could make his life particularly hard. So people are frustrated, they want to get out, they're looking for somebody to blame. Of course, it's always going to be the government, I understand that. And I'm joined now by veteran broadcaster Charlie McKillop. Hi, Charlie. G'day. How are you going, James? Very well, thank you. The seat of Leichhardt has been a bit of a bellwether in recent decades. Is Warren Inch in trouble? Well, he's always going to have his work cut out in a seat like Leichhardt. It is, as you pointed out, a, a bellwether. It's a big geographically and culturally diverse electorate. Mm. It sprawls some 151,000 square kilometres. It's a, it's a tough seat, but Warren Inch has held on to it, well, on and off. He had one term where, mm. where he wasn't there, but he's been there since 1996. So he is a part of the furniture. So I guess that's why the Prime Minister was very keen to, to come to town today and, <laughs> and push those credentials that we want to stick with the tried and trusted and now is not the time to, to risk change. He's pretty outspoken too, Warren. Are you surprised the PM hadn't been to Cairns earlier? I loved your question to Scott Morrison this morning. Prime Minister, it is day 18, I think, of the election campaign. As the famous tourism slogan goes, where the bloody hell have you been? <laughs> well, I'm great to be back here in Cairns. So, are you surprised? It has been a bit of a talking point. I suppose that, that remark was a little bit tongue-in-cheek because there is a sense that uh, the the Prime Minister has been missing in action in the North. He was very quick to point out that he had been here several times in the lead-up to mm. the federal election before the, the go button was actually pressed. But, uh, yeah, it, the coalition, there is a sense that they have been caught a little bit flat-footed because there has been a pretty much just a procession of Labor cabinet uh, shadow ministers coming up and uh, making promises, announcements and pressing the flesh. So yeah. it's very clear that Labor sees Leichhardt as winnable and uh, they've got a second-time candidate in a light of faith uh, trying her best to uh, unseat Inch. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe because Warren's a little bit more independent than some other MPs. Maybe he likes the distance from the PM. I don't know. He wouldn't admit that publicly anyhow. He uh, certainly would not. He, <laughs> he would say he's big enough and ugly enough and he doesn't need the PM to hold his hand. But yeah. in uh, but he still can't come up with the, the big infrastructure items and the big ticket local projects, which, yeah. you know, Labor hasn't just come uh, to shake hands. They have come with some uh, some fairly targeted promises. and big promises. And uh, so there is a sense of, you know, is the coalition going to match them? So far... Um, the marine precinct has become a bit of a, a battleground mm. and uh, it, we'll, we'll see what uh, the rest of the campaign unfolds. You're right on the Great Barrier Reef. You're a gateway to so many different beautiful parts of the country. How has Cairns and the region bounced back from COVID? Because I think for people who don't live in far north Queensland, it is probably hard to imagine how badly your region was hit by a lack of tourists and closed borders and things like that. I guess if you can imagine the Cairns International airport as a, an artery to our local economy. Mm. It was turned off like a tap overnight in March 2020 and the pain um, that has been experienced by the whole business community, but in particular the tourism sector, has been immense and that's been well documented. But if you've been asking me, well, how's the economy going even just a few weeks before Easter, there was still enormous uncertainty about just how it's going to play out, whether the visitors will come back. 
But uh, over the Easter long weekend, we saw the airport was reportedly back at mm. pre-pandemic levels of activity. Wow. That in itself, though, James has had a bit of a double-edged sword because the businesses that are built around tourism have had enormous trouble trying to, uh, to to basically find the workers to keep up with the demand that that increased trade has produced. So I was going to ask it, you about that because this is sort of happening in other regional parts of the country where we've checked in. Businesses are really happy. Things are open. Things are moving. One, they're trying to find workers, though, to keep up with the demand. And then two, they've got to find somewhere to put the workers to for them to stay. Is housing a huge problem where you are? Housing is an enormous problem, and this is particularly has played out um, for the, the tourism revival because these businesses are no longer able to find the workers. The reason the workers aren't coming, it's not because they don't want the jobs, it's because there's nowhere to live, James. Mm. And this is a, a, an enormous problem. It's not just housing affordability in the seat of Leichhardt and, and many other regional seats. It is housing availability. They're mm. just not there. So you've got places like Port Douglas just up the road from Cairns, uh, we've got business owners there who have told us they're actually building accommodation. They're fitting out the granny wow. flat. They're doing whatever <laughs> it, it can, it, whatever it takes to get those workers in because unless they do that, they literally have to turn people away. Bob Catter, the always colourful MP, represents a neighbouring electorate in far north Queensland. There's a lot of chatter at the moment, uh, mostly behind the scenes in the major parties and in the media too, about the possibility of a hung parliament, which hung parliaments are very rare. Bob Catter's been uh, part of one before. Do you think he'd like to be among the kingmakers if uh, things are the no one reaches a majority in in May? Oh, he would be like a, a Cheshire cat in that environment. <laughs> I mean, he's um, he's talking up the balance of power. He believes that he's got the ability to corral the uh, the cross benches, and um, and yeah, he's anticipating it. He's talking right. it up, and he's talking about the things that he's going to do once he is able to wield that power. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The Cata Australia Party, obviously. A strong following with uh, two, three uh, MPs in the Queensland Parliament, but that so far hasn't translated to the House of Representatives mm. in the federal arena. So uh, Bob has at his side uh, a star recruit, his words, not mine, but uh, <laughs> former North Queensland Cowboys, uh, a rugby league star uh, turned uh, political aspirant in Rod Jensen, mm. uh, an Indigenous fellow, very charismatic and um you know, and, and he's been uh, talking the talk and, right. and really putting his foot, best foot forward. What would uh, what would Bob Catter demand if he was to win the balance of power? Would it be the culling of crocodiles? I think few can forget his uh, viral moment when he was asked about same-sex marriage about five years ago. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. You know, but I ain't spending any time on it because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. No, <laughs> no, I think Bob, I think the crocs are safe. The crocs um, are safe. Okay, that's good to know. Bob says after nearly, I think it's nearly 30 years, or it will be 30 years if he's re-elected next year. Um, he still has unfinished business. He's got some big projects, including uh, a project called Copper String, which would uh, secure baseload power all the way across the mineral northwest mineral pro province to Mount Isa. Mm. Um, he's come up with some interesting ideas about reinvigorating our sugar mills. People don't uh, fully understand that sugar mills are completely self-sufficient. They 
burn the the by ga- mm. uh, the byproduct of the cane production to sustain themselves. Well, Bob says instead of them just powering the sugar mills for the five months of the year that the, the cane harvest is on, they should be powering all year round and uh, creating bioenergy, um, which is not. Not fanciful at all. This is something that the sugar industry itself has been pushing for. Well, it won't be dull if he does hold the help, one of the many who might hold the balance of power, I suppose. What's the campaigning like in Cairns and far north Queensland? Oh, geez, I think it's a little bit of a slow burn so far. Right. This this election, I, I guess all of the candidates and all of the electorates are in the same boat in that you, I can't imagine that there's ever been a campaign that started with three long weekends in uh, in succession. Mm. So, you know, people have been more interested in booking their Easter holidays and what they're going to be doing over the Anzac long weekend and now the Labor Day weekend. So, yeah, I don't think people are fully switched on yet, but that's not through lack of trying. The candidates are certainly out there on the ground doing their best to, uh, to increase their profile. We've got a cast of 11 candidates, one of the longest ballot papers anywhere here in Leichhardt. Yeah, right. uh, would be even longer if the Fusion Party hadn't uh, merged the Science Party, the Pirate Party, the Secular Party and the Climate Change Justice Party. Right. So we've got just one candidate representing flying the flag for all of those. But it's a very interesting mix that we have in Leichhardt. I mentioned Rod Jensen, uh, the former rugby league star. We've got a mm. high-profile businesswoman in Gina Court who's running for One Nation, a landfill avenger who has uh, hooked up with the United Australia Party and, of course, retired magistrate and proud Cuckoo Yulangi woman Pat O'Shane has signed up for the Socialist Alliance. So right. really um, <laughs> a very mixed bag, but that uh, mixed candidates bag. that are, are, have a profile in their own right. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that Warren said he's worried that mm. the minor parties might derail his campaign and it's a it's a very real risk Mm, makes it much more unpredictable uh charlie thank you so much for speaking to the australia votes podcast and uh, all the best for the campaign we're nearly nearly halfway (sighs) we're there yet (laughs) and this podcast will be back tomorrow insiders host david spears will be here analyzing the week that was and answering your questions about how the election is unfolding if you've got something you'd like to ask please send us an email to australiavotespodcast at abc.net.au and if you like this episode please tell a friend and you can download our other episodes where we've checked in with other parts of the country on the abc listen app now i'm james glenday and until next time thanks for listening You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.